Hey Ben, how's it going? Oh, you know, I, I mean, I, I really want to generate some enthusiasm. It is that time of year, my most favorite time of year again, but obviously... I mean, the days kind of run together, you know? We're in a pickle. We, we want to do the Cartoni Awards, we want to do the convention like always, but we can't meet in person, obviously. That wouldn't it's... be... I wouldn't, that wouldn't be logical or, or safe for the community. So mm -hmm. what 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 do you what can we do even? Well, Ben, I uh, I have a little surprise. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, you know it cost a couple bucks, but I paid for a premium membership to attend the online first ever online virtual Cartoni Awards. Whoa! Yep. So I got the carton. Yes, I got us a couple My of pre-backstage passes so that we can see, uh, you know, see all the people before they start announcing the awards. Can and, see uh, the codes behind the matrix. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let me just share screen and let's right. go on to cyberspace. Beep boo boo beep. Oh man, look at all these! Look at all these gifts! Look at all these rotating. Uh... Rotating gifts that uh, that you put on the website. My, my internet's a little slow. I'm I'm a little behind. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fine. But, but yeah, yeah, look, you know they've got all the all the classics. You know we got Shigo from Kim Possible. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I definitely see some other people starting to show up. Uh, Jessica Rabbit from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, as well as Lola Bunny from Space Jam. Oh, classic this is characters. Really good. You know, it's really big names from from big cartoons. Um, Ooh, and don't forget, uh, it looks like Frozone from The Incredibles. He's there. He's strutting his stuff. I, it does look like he's misplaced his super suit, so I don't know if he's just, like, doing the shirtless just thing for testing now. It. Or, I yeah. think that he's trying to get into the whole swimsuit routine because, you know, they can't go to beaches right now. So, but, like, I don't I don't mind that inherently. Mm -hmm. It's it's tasteful. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a lot of big names here. It looks like we're getting... Uh, Couple, a couple real sly, lithe-looking trench coat-wearing motherfuckers over here on the right here. Tuxedo mask and gambit. Mm. Yeah, they're 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 off to the side. It looks like they're here to kind of enjoy the show as well. I don't think they were nominated for anything. No, I, I don't believe so. I think the warrants haven't uh, expired yet. But, but uh, yeah, their their heads is... are turning. It looks like Ms. Bellum is just walking by. Oh wow, yeah, I, I can can't see why. quite see her face. I think we have a bad connection. Mm. You know, I'm I'm noticing something, Zane. What are you noticing? Uh, does it strike you as strange at all? You know, this is sort of projection on my part, after all, given our history lately. Um, but I might be projecting a little something here. But uh, is it is it just me, or are all these characters just just very attractive? Well, Ben, the Cartoni Awards is uh, you know it's a once in a year opportunity. People really dress up. They wear their you know custom fit clothes. Everybody looks a little a little good. Plus, you know, it's not through the camera now. It doesn't add those five pounds. Oh no, I, I understand that, but like it, it feels almost like it like like the dirty side of fan servicey, like the part where like they're just trying to sell me something. Yeah, look, look over here, Holo mm -hmm. the Wise Wolf, no clothes, no clothes at all. That's true to her story, you know. Like sometimes they're not going to wear a lot of clothes. Like look at Tarzan and also other Tarzan, both looking great, and you can pick whichever one you want. You know, if you want the more modest guy, that's fine. But they're both so mm, so buff. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm getting the feeling like you might have set this up wrong. Like maybe your spam filter is broken and you just got flooded with a bunch of sexy cartoon characters. Well, I am seeing an ad for eSurance. You know, they got Aaron eSurance there. I thought they Well, yeah, but there's Pepe, Le, there's Pepe Le Pew right there and waggling his eyebrows at her. 
Yeah, but I mean that you know he's he's always showing up and being rude. He's not he's not bringing down the whole thing. You know, I mean, yes, you do have to watch out for Gaston. He's clearly a problem. And those, oh, no one flirts like Gaston. <laughs> no one takes off his shirt like Gaston. Very no good. one's pecs are incredibly pert like Gaston. <laughs> um, and you also, of course, have to watch out for all those other Disney princes. Oh uh, no, Zane, I'm I've got proof. I've mm-hmm. got proof. Uh, there's about 700 Harley Quinn images near the bottom. Yeah, I mean, what, first day on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Oh, but several of them are cosplaying as Stripperella. You might be right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we've come this far, and it's you just sharing your screen. I don't think that I'm going to get any viruses through that, so I'm willing to risk your safety if you are. Yeah, (laughs) this is what, my third computer? Let's go for it. Welcome to the 6th Annual Cartoni Awards! Knock, knock. Who's there? Who's I'm there? a busy man. Who's there? <laughs> First off, we're the Carton so, Cast. Ben, Zane, you know the drill. And I'm James. Yeah, and uh, we are... Uh, this is the... Welcome to Carton Cast. This is a podcast <laughs> where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. I, I can't convince guests how difficult it is to keep like those ten words straight in my mind. <laughs> Doing oh, a lot speaking of, of which... Hello, yes. Dan. Welcome oh. back to our show. Hi, well, Ben. Speaking of you. which, uh, you're Ben and I'm Zane, and this is the Cartoncast. <laughs> Maybe it is, Zane. Maybe it is. <laughs> right. And this is the Cartoncast. We review old cartoons to see to see ourselves as young men, <laughs> not cursed. You know, the the, the, devil. the devil and the rise of the devil. Yeah. And, how and the rise this, of the devil. This, this, this boys and girls doing all this stuff, it's, uh, it's the mark of the devil. For sure. Yeah. And of course, where can people find you? In a bunker, mostly. In an undisclosed location. It's the only place Satan can't find me. Uh, this is bullshit, mortal! Ben, have we been ambushed recently? Not on mic. Off mic, certainly. That was not an honest question. I just needed you to laugh and move on. That's the joke. Mm-hmm. The joke for those of you who are willing to get it. I'm, I'm you know, exaggerating for the sake of comedy. But I choose to believe that you're not. You know, like, you know, that kind of, like, joke that's not quite a joke, but just, like, shows suffering. I know I have to degrade you as an individual, but I don't know how to get there yet. I, I don't know if I feel that way. Like I've never you... felt that way more. You know that you're worse than me. Were you asking me? I was. Ben's oh, never asking me. Um, t- <laughs> ben assigns opinions to me. Okay. I can't believe I'm the way that I am. I don't like this new hashtag version of you. It's it's fun to laugh at other people doing my failures, so that was fun. I find myself disagreeing with you on a number of those points. That's not an event that normal people have. I got a lot to read through. I'm trying to find segues that will not offer you any way to continue the conversation. <laughs> Fuck you. You forgot about me? Go eat shit. I'm back, motherfucker. I'm gonna kill you. I'm back. What were you saying while I was gone? I will destroy you. If you're gonna have a fever dream. Yeah, get nostalgia field. Might as well play the greatest hits of the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've enjoyed Hot Topic but times. I don't have a grand ideal or something I can fight for, but I do know in my heart, fuck that. Get mired into our own uh, hate angers. God, I have so much hate anger. You provide the skeleton. It sounded like what you needed was an exoskeleton. Um, oh shit, does that guy have a reverse mouth? <laughs> yeah, sign me up! It filled my heart with dread, but erotic dread. One of the best kinds of dread. But it's like, fight horny, you know? I didn't. I don't see a distinction. <laughs> oh, you, you should. A sexy friendship is my favorite kind of sex and friendship. It's not just a sex thing, but I will. It's definitely it, a sex there, thing. There's definitely a sex thing component to it. Like, I need to boner toward this person. Grind against everything. <laughs> <laughs> need, to, need to grind against angles, please. I have to rub something somewhere. 
okay. better your nose and it than any other combination <laughs> than my balls and this chair i'm primed for this level of like horny drama super heroics it's so horny <laughs> why is it so horny <laughs> i was kind of into it they're too beleaguered by their own existence to be horny you know nut up or shut up so to speak yeah like so we, to speak it would have been two on the nose or to use a freudian metaphor two on the dong Oh, I'm God. not actually sure if you know what I'm talking about. I don't know. It sounded like a porno. Yep. It's got a lot of memorable uh, ass, uh, assets, facets to it. Got a lot of memorable asses. <laughs> you know, I decided to check out um, how much porn there was of this. Oh, uh, do tell. <laughs> as a matter of, you know, journalistic integrity. You have to do it. A this... lot of vagina combat. There... Well, More than I, I was mean, expecting. Like... So now we're looking at some boobs. Me Tarzan. Yeah, you Jane. Me want touching. That kind of thing. Yeah. But low it, touching. Yo, Dada's dick so thick I use it like a springboard. Ooh. And then the humans go inside them and it's not like a sex thing. You shouldn't judge her because she's a woman. Everyone's you obsessing judge her over it. She constantly betrays you. <laughs> Just like a woman would. Now he would be doing it with beer and a gun and like masturbating the entire time. I don't know if this is really how gangsters compare dicks, but I hope it is. They talk about Ebola. Like <laughs> always, if, Ebola and dandruff. They're like, my dick is so big that if I had Ebola, it would take a while for it to completely bleed out through the dick. I've never been to prison, and I don't think I would do well. And like, you don't want your kids to be you because you're clearly terrible. And it's easy to drink. <laughs> Drinking is is fun, and I endorse it. Humans are bad Woo! and don't deserve their success. It's just that the kids were smiling too much. Yeah, I hate children. Uh, to go. Um. Mm, um. Well, I don't know if I, I don't know if you could say that. Listen, somebody's got to jack me off to the fact that these poor people are dying. It ain't gonna be me. It's like I'm happy to enable this because aliens. So you want to be part of like a pyramid scheme for justice? I feel like my messaging is pretty clear here. All I really <laughs> want is pyramid scheme for justice. It's oh. not as bad as it could be. No, it's worse than it could ever be. I too fear change. I actually didn't have a follow-up. I was hoping I could get there, and I didn't. <laughs> so you were wrong about a lot. Okay. Just, it's so easy to ask a scientist, hey, does this look like like the dumbest <laughs> shit you've ever seen? Or like Whether or not I think you're full of shit has very little to do with my enjoyment of you. How is this like that? <laughs> it's a deliberate servants. choice that I am the only person in this world. The supreme gentleman, Bowser Lucifer. Which is like, check out my cool basement and pile of glass. <laughs> I couldn't give less of a shit about this saying, get up off your ass and help me sell this corn. Well, the right thing to do is to overthrow this society. So imagine you went into a bathroom. <laughs> it's like I'm there. Like, it should just be screeching and shitting in his hands. <laughs> I invite you to shit. Please, after you. I'm better at being an asshole them. in public than anybody else here. They ask you questions? I let people ask me questions. Vaccines are good. Earth is round. Don't drink bleach. Because, <laughs> like, that's pretty close to the four humors, almost. Uh -huh. You know, phlegmatic, yeah. uh, riboflavin, and uh, THC. Those monsters aren't going to mash themselves. <laughs> and we've seen the shit kicked out of this guy's this guy for like the past 20 minutes. <laughs> Leaking chill from every orifice. I'm so enamored by the story you're telling me that I apparently told to you. Why? Why is this? <laughs> why, why is hell? Why is, why why, is what? what? <laughs> I, again, we're in metaphor space. This means things. I don't know what it means. You know, it kind of was Zane. and it very much wasn't. Like, you did it. Like you did this to us. <laughs> Who, me? Me? Oh, so now this becomes uh, less bullshit and more real. No, it's still bullshit. Is that is that good? Are we are we done? I'm I'm kind of happy with it. You you understand that when I edit it, I just pick up the last year's Welcome to the Whatever Cartoni Awards and input the new number, right? I'm, I'm aware. Oh, okay. Oh, you just do it for you. 
It it I feel like it adds a little something. Gets us into the space. It it gets us into a space. I don't disagree with you. The there. crawl space where we keep all mm-hmm. of our episodes. The cyberspace. The Squarespace, where we keep all all our episodes, all the shows on the network. In fact, you can go to one, one platform, one stop shopping for all your Cartoncast needs. No, of course, you have uh, a problem, sir. Of course, of course. Welcome everybody. It is so good to have you here, Egberts, for joining us for another year. Um, this has been a very interesting year for 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 everyone, but also for, for this podcast for literally network. everyone. I think literally on the whole world, it seems. Uh, you could be young enough. Where you don't realize that the you know that the, the the pandemic is affecting you, but in that case, life is just very interesting anyway. Yeah, it's all cool new shapes, new colors. You've never smelled mustard before. <laughs> that's is a, that that's like a, a, that on your bucket list? A coming, it's a coming of age experience. Mm-hmm. You know that they used to have like you know a rite of passage. They and then there was the baptism, but modern parents. That's the that's the that's what turns them from children into into adults. Is they just take a whiff of mustard and bam, chest hair. Yeah, their the first time too. smelling mustard, first time throwing up because of smelling mustard. All oh, of the emotions. Bite your tongue, sir. But we're not here today to talk about mustard. Not yet. <laughs> first of all, uh, what we want to, I think the way the right way to start this off is to. Uh, just kind of reminisce of a couple of things that we did for this past year that I'm I'm very proud of, and I, I think are pretty cool. And they include that you are Ben and I am Zane of the Carton Cast. I probably should have done that. I'll get it one of these days. But seventh <laughs> annual Cartoni Awards, as far as I'm concerned, so far my record is perfect. Lucky sevens. Uh, welcome everybody to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben, and my name is Zane. And this is the show where we review old cartoons with. See what we think about them as adults. I'll clip that up correctly in in post. And uh, yeah, it's a Cartoni Awards again. Yeah, our celebration of all the things we've done this past year. And my God, has it been a long year? I look back at what we did at the beginning of the year. I'm like, no way. Are <laughs> There's you sure? no way that was this year. I've listened to Ed, Ed, and Eddie so many times. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we've done a couple of really cool things this year. And I want to just point a couple of them out so we can pat ourselves on the back, mm-hmm. which in no way is going to be reminiscent of the rest of this episode. No, we want to get that out of the way right now. Get out of the way. Never pat ourselves on the back again. Yeah, don't need to. Uh, first of all, uh, we, you know, we, we've uh, had suggestions before from uh, a particular member of our fan base, super fan himself, Alex, and uh, he was able to, he uh, recommended us an episode, Oban Star Racers, and we got to, you know. Oh, that play, was play, from him, yeah. Placate our super fan, and, uh, you know, hopefully he's satisfied with our tithe, our yearly tithe, <laughs> and we'll stop, you know, threatening to steal our gizzards. Yeah. Um, no, obviously he is... Uh, 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 a big fan of the show, and we really appreciate it. And that was a really fun episode, even mm-hmm. though I sounded a little drunk during it. We also had quite a few first-time guests, which uh, you know that's always very exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had um, we had uh, a friend of mine uh, through Ethan uh, James. He came on the show to talk about Pirates of Dark Water, and that was really fun. Mm-hmm. And then we also had somebody on our show uh, that we are a super fan of. Yeah. We had Gary Butterfield of the DuckFeed.tv network come on and talk about Tiny Fuppets for no less than two hours. I uh, So I was at a, um, 
like a storytelling event uh, recently a symposium yes like a virtual one where like oh you know here's a couple of theme words everybody like tell five minute stories about uh, something interesting that happened to you and i had to tell them about us having gary on to talk about tiny fuppets and then i had to explain what the tiny fuppets are and then i'm and like you had to explain what a podcast was and i explained <laughs> what a podcast was and the reason why it's an important event for me is like because of this interaction, now that weird show is very important to me, and I hate that that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's how it happens. That's, <laughs> that's you know, it's an you. appeal to authority. If something doesn't have enough, you know, drive on its own to, like, spread itself across the stars, then you just you rely on people who love it to share it with you. Yeah, um, and that's why I got you to watch Food Wars. I can't believe how much of Food Wars I watched. Oh, I can't believe we didn't talk about Food Wars in the, in the intro. <laughs> Buddy, like, there's not enough time in the day. <laughs> To talk about the horny characters on Food Wars. But yeah, just, just to round out the thought, um, it is extremely gratifying that we had somebody from the podcast network that inspired us to do the show come on our show themselves. And uh, it was really fun. And mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be able to talk to him again. But yeah, a lot of great milestones for this uh, for this year. Culminating in finally, uh, we, we started a... Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of admin here. We started a little bit of a, a, a relationship with the podcast network, uh, The Professional Casual, which does a lot of fun kind of shows that are similar to our sort of ethos of talking way too seriously about stuff that doesn't matter, like Tiger King or Top 8 uh, Countdown uh, Tournament arcs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's been a lot of fun working with them so far. Hopefully we'll work with them more uh, in the future. We're, we're still, you know, Fancy Bat first, Fancy Bat you know, hype. Uh, but we're, we're walking together, as it were. We're feeling each other out, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a little cross-pollination. Mm-hmm. Sounds erotic. <laughs> it's pretty erotic. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, with that out of the way, Zane, let's get to it. Mm-hmm. So we have 13 categories, a variable baker's dozen, uh, regarding our shows and the stuff contained therein that we are going to talk about today, and... Uh, Declare things the mostest. Let's talk about, uh, let's just, for, for those, the, you know, the uninitiated, let's uh, first discuss how this goes down. One of us will suggest a category with three potential cartoons that fit the bill. The other person will decide from among those three or an additional one if they think it's more appropriate. Uh, and then we'll just kind of apples to apples it until we figure figure out uh, which one is worthy of the title of most superfluous superlative. Mm-hmm. Or whatever the thing happens to be. Zane, Sir. would you like to give us the first contest? Kunai with change. The first category uh, has to do with the fact that we, you know, we didn't intend it this way, but we happen to see a lot of boys with big swords this year. And so I want to uh, give you the nominations for best big sword boy. Okay, yeah, we had a lot of big sword boys. So what metric am I grading this on? Is it size of the sword or size of the boy? Well, I realized looking at the three of them in it's concert be one. is that they're kind of like a boy band. So uh, I guess which one <laughs> okay. is your favorite on that, you know, teen girl metric? Uh, so we have the front man, the fan favorite, of course, Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, the remake. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, that asymmetrical pauldron look that he has. <laughs> he's a trendsetter. I'm not you know, surprised. He, w- he wasn't the first, but he was, you know, he's this enduring symbol uh, that is known for by his buster sword, although... You know, people are really treating him with as a, a lot more literary characteristics now. People are paying more attention to, the, you know, the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the emotional one, you know, the kind of sad emo guy, we have Guts from Berserk. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if emo really fits it. He's, um, he's mad. <laughs> maybe screamo. Punk. If you were really trying to, to, to reach across the aisle for a Let's split the difference it. at screamo. Yeah, Let's split so, the difference at screamo. So, you know, he's got the eyeliner. He's he's working out to get through the pain. And he's seen a lot of shit, but he's going to keep swinging that sword. That's for true. You, baby. That's true. You know, yeah. Okay. And and then, I'll, I'll save my commentary for the end. Continue. And then finally, you know... He's a bit of a bad boy. He's a bit of a loose cannon. He's got a troubled history, and he doesn't necessarily use a sword, but I think you'll find that Dante from Dante's Inferno is just as beefy and just as much of an axe to grind against some, uh, you know, giant gargoyles. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so let, let's let's take this down. I'm going to do this on three metrics, I guess. Yeah, the sword boy metrics. Well, yeah, first, uh, size of the sword, size of the boy. And then also boy band material, I think is what we've given. <laughs> Not size of the sword, but I want to grade each one on best sword. Yeah, yeah. And then also on best boy, and then the boy band metric. And we'll see if we can get a, a win by quantity. Sure thing. So uh, as far as the sword goes, you know, Cloud does have that iconic buster sword. But if you recall, it was based heavily on Guts's sword from yes. Berserk. So yes. it, it does have that kind of, you know, getting in the game a little late. Uh, showing up late to the party kind of stuff going on. Yeah, but, you know, watching these 20 years out from when they started, you know, who really knows which started first, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? <laughs> well, what what started first in in terms of uh, Big Sword, was Big Sad Sword Boys uh, was probably Dante's Inferno, uh, <laughs> although it wasn't, it wasn't intended as such at the time. <laughs> yeah, they didn't realize what they had done. But I think Guts has the better sword of the two, and, uh, you know, it, it, it is basically... Uh, a beacon of his uh, homoerotic urges. So mm-hmm. I, I think I give him the sword metric on that one. Um, as far as uh, best boy, you know, um, I think that uh, Dante is is probably going to be the best boy in terms of like the the raw appeal because he is. They're all kind of standoffish. But he's the one who, like, his motives are very clearly for the love of uh, of the person that he's going after. So I think that he wins on maybe that boy band metric of, like, which one would you actually fantasize about? Mm-hmm. It'd have to be Dante, because you know he'd treat you right. <laughs> and you know that Cloud would just use you until Sephiroth was around. And you know that Guts would just use you until Griffith was around. <laughs> like... Unfortunately, the dynamic of a lot of sword boys is a lot of a lot of a uh, lot hey, of broken parts. That other sword boy is is that in my territory. Boy. Yeah, they're Basically, like hamsters in that way. You don't have to be a sword boy to like a sword boy, but it helps. <laughs> but uh, among the two of them, I think that uh, I think that guts probably is the best sword boy of the bunch. You know, um, I I I mean, like, and that's he just has more personality than Dante does. Dante is a bit smoother in his speech, but. Guts, he's got, he's got a, he's got his eyes on the prize. He's got purpose, and he doesn't let, uh, doesn't let the little things get to him, which is definitely a problem with, uh, with Dante, as we've seen him committing atrocities across the spectrum. Oh yeah, so many atrocities. So we're gonna give this one to Guts, best sword right. boy. Yeah, the you can't, can't improve upon the classic. No, and you shouldn't, <laughs> uh, even though many people have tried. Change. We're gonna have to figure out a camera, uh, like a camera clicking noise or a briefcase latch noise. We're gonna have to figure out something for the. Hang on, pause, hang on for a second. Let me let me scroll through here. I mean the the like uh, magic school bus sound maybe or the. Um, you could like it's time to duel. That's one. 
Oh, that's true. Oh, oh, or the static shock. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Got a beep, beep. Maybe. We'll, we'll figure something out. Okay. Well, Zane, next up, uh, I'm actually going to use a category suggested by superfan of the show, Alex, uh, which is most fascinating ontological wrinkle. Ooh. Um, he gave a couple of examples. I picked a couple of examples. And the three, uh, I'm, I'm going to list you three uh, kind of interesting little nuggets of plot or, or world building that are like, they make you they make you double take and you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like there's just, there's something about them that's like, th- this is a weird plot thing that it, that that asks more questions than it answers. Okay, sure. So, for most fascinating ontological wrinkle, we have uh, the notion in Osmosis Jones that a single white blood cell can shut down the body. Right, he fires his gun, it hits up the cell tower. It yeah. causes him to trip. Yeah, or, if or each of my the... white blood cells had the agency to cause me to trip, I would never get out of bed. I would also like to lump in the fact that the mayor can just take over his mind. Yeah, yeah, that, that is, <laughs> let's, 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 let's put that one troubling. in there as well. Might as well. Might Cellular as well agency, those. we'll call it. <laughs> uh, the second fascinating ontological wrinkle, uh, the cursed springs from Ranma. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this was really fascinating to go through and when we first, like, manga, you know, is a fighting anime. People have aura. They shoot Hadoukens from their bodies. Nothing makes sense. But even within that context, you have a bunch of springs that an animal or a person died in, and now you're cursed if you dunk yourself in there. And they're all in the same place, but they're not all from the same time. So there was, <laughs> it requires people like individual people and animals individually, you know, going on a mecca to this pl- cursed place in China, <laughs> it, it, which is like the only people who would go there need to be martial artists. Like it, it, it just there's so many questions, <laughs> so many questions. Uh. And for the last, uh, Dino Trucks from Dino Trucks. Oh, yeah, like why? Just, just the notion of any of them. Why are they? <laughs> Where did, how, did, how did this get here? How did, how did how this did happen? This? <laughs> how, did, how and why did anyone do anything here? <laughs> okay, well, uh, I think I'm going to get rid of uh, Ranma, the, the springs, because... It makes too much sense. Well, here's Her the springs. thing. Springs. <laughs> Turned pig. One, it's anime. The suspension of disbelief, you know, you got to judge it on its own curve. Mm. Um, and also just like... And that show had some curves. That show had a lot of curves. There was a lot going on <laughs> in there with the martial arts and with the, you know, blood feuds and with the, like, God, the hours of filler because they they didn't want to admit that the manga wasn't there yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like as a sex person, like... You know, I don't have a problem with the springs. The springs are there as a tool to get me to where I need to be. <laughs> Which is where it's ain't. <laughs> express yourself. So looking at the as other two. As a sex person, as you so <laughs> eloquently stated. So looking at the other two. Mm. Um, Osmosis Jones. This one's, see, this is kind of the opposite of the uh, suspension of disbelief because you do have live action Bill Murray, who, yes, is a bit of a cartoon himself. Yeah, uh, but about like, as cartoony as a person can be. But like, in the setting, this kind of makes a sort of sense. You know, if we're agreeing that these cells have uh, some sort of agency, like that, that sort of fits. Like, of course, they're going to have some sort of influence on the world at large. You know, we 
we have agency and we live on a planet, we can still influence the planet in major ways. I think it might have to be dino trucks because, like, they set up a system and it doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> none, one of them does not inform the other they're, at all. They're, they're only realizing now that the rep tools can be useful for fixing the dino trucks, right? And they're only realizing now that, like, oh, I can't, like, five cranes can't do the work that two cranes and two trucks can. And, like, Stegoman is, like, eating rocks but gaining no nutritional value from them. So why is he doing that? Like, it just, it's, (laughs) it just takes you out of it when you spend any amount of thought on it, which, like, target demographic, they're not going to do that. So, yeah, I'm giving it to Dino Trucks. Yeah, I guess when you, when like, the most fascinating ontological wrinkles really exist in cartoons that are for children because there's no need for consistency or, or, <laughs> or reason to connect any of the dots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to give another point of comparison for Osmosis Jones and why it might make sense. If there was a person on Earth for whom the override entire person button in our brains was pushed, it is Bill Murray... <laughs> <laughs> from just looking at him like joke. this can't go on absolutely not <laughs> this guy's gonna self-destruct <laughs> yeah our cells all you know billions of cells in our body unanimous decision you can't be in charge mm-hmm. this, this I, I love the idea though that he's the only one for whom this applies <laughs> <laughs> everybody else there's like a couple naysayers like no nah, he'll get it together but no <laughs> not for him not today <laughs> kunai with change all right, what are we doing next? Well, that leads us into our best conspiracy theory. Oh, man, I forgot about this. I didn't I don't recall there being good conspiracy theories for the rest of There this, were but, uh... a few and they tended to be early on. Now, we're going to completely ignore your conspiracy theory that in Oban Star Racers that just everything's about race racing and like cuz like that that's not how it worked. <laughs> I don't understand. Of course it is. Um, but yeah, our conspiracy theories for you to chew on. First off, we have a pretty popular, pretty common one. Uh, the Eds in Ed, Ed, and Eddie are dead. They are living in purgatory with other lost children's souls. The Kankers are demons. This is one that comes to us from the internet. It is well established in the lore. Now, the trick is, does it add that much? I don't know. Mm. Um, it's a valid question. Now, the other ones we came up with ourselves. Uh, so the next one is Lloyd in Space. All of the events of Lloyd in Space are Eddie's sad fan fiction. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So we have this kid who's clearly just a normal boy and, like, probably, like, you know, living in a trailer or whatever. doesn't have a lot of visions of the future or whatever. And he's like, I'm going to make this world where I'm a cool guy just for being me, for being who I am. <laughs> and, like, it makes sense because Lloyd's just the biggest fuck up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty rough. Like, yeah, a lot of people will mess up at the beginning of an episode, but he just does it so much. Straight <laughs> through. For Eddie to be like, hey, why don't you be a good guy? No. Teen. Uh, and finally, C-Lab 2021. The characters in the C-Lab are Sims in somebody's cruel experiment. That's why they keep dying and coming back. And they all know it. And that's why they get increasingly antisocial and blasé about the fact that they're dying. <laughs> I, I don't remember that one at all. <laughs> I, I only remember Captain Murphy saying, there go my nipples again. <laughs> yeah, it, you kind of get lost in it. I'm not going to rewatch it, so. No, no, of course not. Certainly okay. Not. Interesting. 
Well, uh, I don't remember the C-Lab one terribly well, and I think that it is less satisfying than the Lloyd in Space one, just because, you know, it was all a simulation is sort of a is sort of a hackneyed trope at this point. And yes, it does work, but, you know, it, it doesn't really add that much to it, because it, we're already in La La Land. Yeah, the purpose of that show is that it's not realistic. The premise of that show is the Harvey Birdman paradigm where like reuse old footage and, and old characters and mishmash them into a new into a new situation um so I, I i think that probably that one doesn't get the get as much the ed's one is probably the more complete theory of the two but it also is one that we didn't make ourselves which makes it less kind of viable to me just because you know it, it's kind of right there mm-hmm. that the eds are dead this is already an absurdist territory the rules are are fluid and they're, you know, I, I do like a lot of the points of reference, though, like the idea that all the kids are made from are from different time periods. So maybe they died in different time periods. Yeah, it the explains is, why they're all so different. It does. And it explains why it's an endless summer. But I, I don't know how much it really contributes as opposed to it just being like it makes sense if you look at the cartoon uh, conventions of the kind of endless summer. You know, you have this in uh, Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you have this in a lot of stuff where it just it's it's summer all the time. You have this in... Um, you don't need an explanation. Yeah, no no one ages in cartoons. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't make no sense that that, that that would be the case. It doesn't need an explanation, exactly. You, you know, if you did something like the Majora's Mask conspiracy theory that Link is in purgatory, that one kind of holds up a little bit better because... There's that notion of retrying over and over again and not making any progress that really gets bolstered by the idea that he's trying to, you know, go through the five stages of grief. Like, there's actually a lot there. Mm-hmm. This is just like, there's a lot there that is mostly just as well explained by, hey, it's a cartoon. Right. Um, which, you know, arguably you could do anything for, but I think I give the nod to Lloyd in Space because it is one that we came up with ourselves. Maybe that shouldn't have as much weight. I'm going to give it more weight. Uh, <laughs> the idea that, you know, Eddie is is sad, uh, is he views him, he wants to view himself as the cool one and kind of act as sort of a mentor figure to this real G-golly protagonist that we have. The idea that everyone like like lloyd has a mom but no dad and that might like reflect his upbringing of like in a yeah. in a, in a separated family like i, I don't want to draw too many conclusions from that because i don't want to like throw shade on any kind of a uh, kind of kind of upbringing but like it it does it does sort of comment mm-hmm. on, on various aspects of the show so I'm, I'm gonna give it to lloyd in space all right yeah and i think it does give points to have it be one of our own personal conspiracy theories because is it really a conspiracy theory if somebody else believes it <laughs> no i mean like that's just uh yeah it, like it's sort of like the idea of like a, per- a paranoid person is just someone in possession of all the facts Ooh, <laughs> i think that was in transmetropolitan I yeah i mean it it presumes Fact check that for that for us egberts it, it, pre- it presumes that somebody is always in a state of emergency which you know kind of holds up now <laughs> like that appears to be true yeah you don't even gotta walk out your front door for that kunai with change all right what do we got next next up uh you know we, we've gotten a little bit of distance from the big uh from the big sword boys but we're gonna go right back in <laughs> uh with most irritating protagonist Oh, I hope they're not all the same sort of boys. <laughs> you could make an argument. <laughs> so I don't mean the worst people. 
because Dante is probably the worst person. What I mean is the most irritating. Like, whether it's just, like, you don't want to be around them for some reason. Yeah, yeah. And they are, for some reason, the star of the show. <laughs> so so think about this in, in two parts. One, how irritating are they? And two, how irritating is it that the show was like, this person should be there all the time? So, first off, I'm going to put in Cloud. Now, I obviously had bigger problems with Cloud in the remake, in the FF7 remake, than you did. Uh, the Ramako. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all the Mako flying around. <laughs> uh, but, but what happens is uh, Cloud, because of the nature of the remake, because it's padded to hell, because the pacing is weird, because that you know it's a 60-hour game packed into the 10-hour beginning, but extended out to an 80-hour game. <laughs> you know, we have Cloud who's, in the original, he was like, I'll do it for this amount of coin. And, you know, Barrett flies off the handle, and Tifa's like, okay, we'll do it. In this one, that's a four-hour argument, and he <laughs> brings it up constantly. Um, he's also, like, really standoffish, yet, like, it, he, he only has one mode toward all the women flying at him chest first, which mm-hmm. is either no or no, parentheses, angry, as you put it. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's what I gotta, you know, hold against him, because, like, you know, they're they're not long for this world. They just want a little bit of comfort cloud. <laughs> Come on, mm-hmm. what are you? Yep. What are you doing with your day that's so important? Shining <laughs> your boots. He's, he's yeah. He's he's being hypnotized by uh by by InSync. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. I can't tonight. I'm brooding. Yeah, there's a lot of that, and it all needs to get done tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, second up is uh Yugi from <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh, <laughs> and frankly, just on the basis of how he looks, like I'm I noticing can... a theme about the hair in it's this just, category. Well, it's, it's not well. Okay, that there might be there might be a, an alternate category for this is who has the worst hair, but like we went through a whole and it again I kind of uh, shoehorned it in there. We went through a whole discussion about how terrible his design is, but the fact that his design is that bad when he is the main character of the show and the show doesn't generally have terrible designs. I couldn't get over the fact. So those are the first two. Cloud for his personality. Yugi for the aesthetics, and then Ace Ventura for the personality and the aesthetics. Ooh, Ventura. (laughs) The mind and body. The mind and body, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Uh, He's, uh, yeah, so he's just a a cartoon character like three times over in 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 a show that mostly has cartoon characters one time over, and he draws all of the attention. He's terrible to look at. He's got those dumb eyes and the dumb feet, and he won't stop shaking around and stretching his face <laughs> out and talking with his butt. And it just, he won't shut up. He won't shut up, and he demands your attention, and those two, never the twain shall meet, Zane. <laughs> so those are the, your three categories. Oh, Cloud glorious. for personality, Yugi for aesthetics, Ace Ventura for personality and aesthetics. I, I would like to nominate a couple of runner-ups. Um, Go for it. First off, for, for your own sake, Ty from Dino Trucks. Uh, I know that you weren't a fan of his gung-ho dumbness. Yeah. Uh, but that really was an ensemble failure. It's a, it's a yeah, it, it's something that um, that I'm used to, I guess. It doesn't I, hurt as bad anymore. I also think from Inside Out Word Pages, uh, Anubis... You know, he he was high minded. He just wasn't as interesting as Anubo. You know, every, every time he was on screen, I'm like, why well, isn't Anubo no here? Yeah, right. No one is. That's not fair. Like, lean into your strengths. <laughs> your strengths are always Anubo. Is the <laughs> is the secret there? 
<laughs> so, all right. Um, like I said, I didn't mind Yugi that much. And I, you know, he, yeah, he looks a little dumb. But when he turns into the pharaoh and he stands up and straightens up his posture. He looks dumb in a different way. And he's like, ooh, I'm, I'm cool now. Check out my leather jacket. I'm 14. So, I have grown a foot. My <laughs> eyes have changed shape. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if if I'm making the call here, I'm not worried too much about him, especially when we've got such other great, you know, options. Oh, I know. God, I could talk about Joey and, and, and Joey Wheeler and Pegasus all day. Maximilian <laughs> we'll, Pegasus. We'll get there. <laughs> um, But yeah, Cloud, like, being... being rude or like come like like uh, uh not coming on but like leading on women is something that i find very distasteful and it's something that when i look back on my own life i'm like ugh, you you could have been such a better person so yeah. that one to me is really personal like bad like bad form mm -hmm. but in terms of irritating you could argue that it adds to his character you know progression etc Ace Ventura, was it an absolutely necessary part of his characterization? Yes. However, Should he exist at all? <laughs> <laughs> Could we have done this another way? Yeah, if we're talking about people being bad to women in, in shows, like, Ace Ventura doesn't get a pass. Also, in the remake, like, you know, you, you get the cutscenes, and you're just looking at that. That's, what, six to nine hours, and you're not always looking at him? Like, you know, you, you got some time, you're looking at Barrett. That's true. Ace God, Ventura, that's I defy you to find a single, like, consecutive minute where he's not on stage doing something horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the it's like the great myth right now about U.S. being world leading or testing, and you're like, no, you have to look at per capita. Ace Ventura <laughs> is there 99% of the time. <laughs> he's coming And that for matters. You. <laughs> that fucking matters. You can't reopen when he's out there. <laughs> you can't You can't go anywhere when he's, when he exists. <laughs> That's so, why we cordoned him off to a separate reality. So, yeah, on a different day I might pick Cloud, but today it is certainly Ace Ventura. <laughs> the mind-body-soul Ventura, yep. And, and also just because, like, Cloud, we, ha like, we have these guys in other art forms. Cloud, the original, wasn't nearly as bad. Ace Ventura, the original, like Jim Carrey, barely acceptable. <laughs> barely acceptable in, in one very specific kind of way. And that's the Jim Carreyness of it all. Yes. It was the As 90s. Any, makes anything acceptable in the 90s. It was a different time. Kunai with chain. Then what do we got next? Well then, uh, following along the idea of the protagonists being irritating, we're going to look at which of their sidekicks was the most significant. So hmm. we've all seen shows where maybe the, the hero doesn't quite measure up and we need a second in command to really boost those numbers and add something to the overall show. Uh, I am going to give Richie a runner-up because I think that Richie from Static Shock is a really good character and adds a lot, but the show would work without him. These other three would not. Okay. All right. I'll 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 agree to those terms. First up. Well, watch yourself, Counselor. You know him. You love him. You knew he was going to be here. Joey Wheeler. Oh, God. I love Joey Wheeler. <laughs> Mr. Bada Bing Bada Boom himself. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Come on with that. Adds so much to the show that could. Oh, have I should been... have done that for the intro. I should have done Joey Wheeler again for the intro. What was <laughs> I don't I think he's got the sex appeal. I'll you bring think him, he does? I'll bring him back some other time. Um, yeah. So like he, 
he makes this show for the age that it's intended toward. Otherwise, it's a very dark show about demon possession. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, granted. And he also is the point of reference character in a, in a cast of, like, main characters, like, Taya, Tristan, Yugi, all, throw them all away. Like, we don't, we don't need any of yeah, them. Yeah, this could have been your main character. It should have been your main character. Just look at his interactions with Bandit Keith at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we've got Drix from uh, Osmosis Jones. I, I was like, Ozzy and Drinks? What's the movie called? <laughs> Ozzy and Drinks. Ozzy <laughs> <laughs> and Drinks. You want to put a little pill in it. So <laughs> Drix, uh, short for Drix and all, he is a cold pill who is motivated to fight the, God, what the Red Death. The Red Death. Yes. Um. You know, it's not so much him and his character that he adds to it. It's that this is a buddy cop movie. You mm-hmm. can't have it without the straight shirt, uh, you know, plays by the rules guy. And yeah, yeah. He, that got a little That's awkward true. sometimes when he danced around. But like, you needed somebody to believe in Ozzy. Like, you don't have that good redemption arc otherwise. Otherwise, he's just like, oh, man, my girlfriend's mad at me. I guess I got to be the hero. <laughs> it, it is an inextricable part of the buddy cop genre that you have a buddy to bounce off of it just doesn't doesn't function without that otherwise it's just the cop drama or you just have the cop drama um finally we have revit from dino trucks so uh we we've expressed dissatisfaction about the character hyde pierce oh it might have been um we we've expressed dissatisfaction about the uh dino trucks per se their lack of a good character their simple motivations Revit seems like this sort of like, you know, it's like when the Flintstones got uh, the great gazoo. Like, this guy's on another level, and he's kind of <laughs> guiding things in a really interesting way. Like, he saves the show for me. Okay. All right. Um, I think I'm going to toss him out first, because he, he <laughs> didn't, the show was beyond saving. And also, <laughs> also like, most of what's there works without him, right? Mm-hmm. The, the whole teamwork with dinosaurs angle, yes, it is helpful that you get some, like, minority representation for a reptile being part of the crew but like it could have been one of those shittier ones it just wouldn't have been as good that's true yes uh i I don't think he was an inextricable part of that show whereas in the buddy cop genre that is absolutely true so it's it's Yu-Gi-Oh versus versus uh versus osmosis jones this is a little tricky because i think in osmosis jones he's more necessary for the genre but in Yu-Gi-Oh, he's a far better character in isolation. Which one boosts the experience more? Which one had a more, more significant impact on your experience? Easily Joey. <laughs> <laughs> not close. <laughs> not, to, not to guide you one way or the other, but my the, the title of this one is Most Significant Sidekick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking, like, is it, it... He is significant to me because I like him a lot, but it, I don't know if he's... You know, if if we're just looking at the way a show is constructed. But, you know, he was also, like, a very focal character Mm -hmm. in Yu-Gi-Oh! as well. Like, one of the main themes is friendship that I don't like very much because it always is. But uh, the the idea of we have a point of reference character because Yu-Gi's already great at what he does. Mm -hmm. uh, Which is hanging around Hot Topic. (laughs) Joey (laughs) Joey is... uh, is Hot Topic still a thing? If if Joey wasn't there, our only indication that Yugi is a good guy is that he keeps on befriending strangers, which is, like, not quite as endearing. I don't care how good a guy he is. I want to <laughs> know how he plays these cards. <laughs> but, like, 
actually, you know what? I take it back. The the supporting cast of Joey is just as important to the card battler genre as Drix is to the buddy cop genre. Like they, you can't actually take that element out mm-hmm. because in Yu-Gi-Oh, it was basically just a battle anime, and in a battle anime, you need to start with somebody who's from zero. They he he had to be taught from from the ground up. He continually refines his strategy. He gains confidence. He is the character that we are meant to follow. I have no idea why Yugi's there. Zane, I'm just getting upset again. <laughs> oh god! It goes to Joey Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess you could imagine like, oh, if Drix wasn't there, who could take his place? Well, there were other members of the force. You know, there was Ozzy's girlfriend who could have helped. If Joey wasn't there, who would have been Yugi's like second in command? Taya. Tristan, no. that doofus? I do like Tristan. <laughs> I don't know why, but he's amusing to me. I don't get it. I don't know why either. <laughs> Kunai with chain. Uh, Zane, next up. Uh, Zane, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. Can you just turn the lights down a little? Oh God. It'll get a little. Let's get comfortable. Let's get cozy. Put something comfortable on. Because I don't like this. Category, next category is horniest character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- this, th- let me let me explain what I mean is by this. Is it me and is it for Tarzan? <laughs> let me explain what I mean by this. This is a character not who you are, you know, attracted to necessarily, but I mean he like this. These characters exude the greatest amount of this show is horny energy. Uh huh. And you might be surprised at that. You might not think like how many were there really, but remember, anime also exists. <laughs> So uh, there's there's actually a lot of experiences that we get from the different you know characters in this uh, in in this year. Sure. I do want to shout out quickly uh, a couple of contenders. You might want to choose one of them if you want, but uh, I just wanted to mention Richie from Static Shock because the notion that he was attracted to Virgil was so clear. It's and it was like subtle and well done. <laughs> yeah, it was. But you all you had to do was consider it, <laughs> and then everything everything falls into place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, like everyone in Ronma one half. Oh man! Like they they just won't shut up about it. Like the, the so... show just exudes. Hey, you should be thinking about bodies all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but those are our runner ups. Our main contenders are. Uh, I'm gonna cheat a little bit here and say, well, no, I'm not gonna cheat. Let's go with Griffith from Berserk, specifically mm. for guts. Because, you know, I don't want to, like, parody myself, but, like, they have the naked bath fight scene. They, you have a ton of metaphors about, you know, wielding your sword for another man. Like, it just, it goes on and on. Sure. Right? For the entire thing. Second, uh, I mentioned this at the time. In the FF7 remake, there was this character known as Roche. Oh, yeah. Roche rode a motorcycle. <laughs> But more as a hobby uh, for, as anything else, because his true passion is fighting this intense bro who also has a motorcycle. <laughs> and he, he talks about it in the way that platinum games talk about fighting. You know, they like, let's, 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 let's aim toward the big cl- climax. I think he says, let's push it past the red line. Like, it's just a lot of... Yeah, yeah, go beyond you, close ultra in my pants. Yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of Harvey Birdman quipping for <laughs> in my pants kind of stuff going on with him. And like, you know, you said that he was attracted to Jesse. I defy, <laughs> I defy you. It's clear that he he just wants Cloud and he just wants to fight him forever, spend the whole day on the battlefield. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, the second, the, and, the, and the last, I'm going to, this is a bit of a Hail Mary, but hear me out. In Tiny Fuppets, which is a parody, <laughs> we had this one character who stood out very strongly whenever, you know, uh, Miss Woman, uh, you know, started to, to, started to, you know, look past Cormit. Mm-hmm. Who's a, he's a good boy, but he, he doesn't, he's not necessarily exciting. No, who is most exciting? It is Gumboing. <laughs> Gumboing. <laughs> Gumboing. What an idea. I, I've, been to, I have, I've been to Milan. There are no beaches. I mean, come on. This guy, he walks into a room and steam comes, on, comes out and careless whisper starts playing. Mm-hmm. He's got chest hair and like one of those like low cut shirts from like, like low cut Italy shirts. If you know what I'm talking about, he's got yeah, like a lot of Yeah, those shirts that Fabio. Italians wear. <laughs> I was just thinking Fabio, I guess. Or, mm-hmm. or like, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. But, uh, you know, like, it's it's not merely to say horniest character. I don't mean, like, which ones are physically most attractive. I mean, like, how much sexual energy does this character bring to the medium? Sure. And Gumboing, <laughs> Gumboing was quite concentrated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make this even harder for myself, and I think I'm going to swap out Roche for Jesse. That was way more apparent to me, and she was just like, like even people who didn't watch it knew. I think maybe this is a quantity versus quality issue, but fair enough. Because like I think <laughs> if you look at like again with the per capita, if you look at Roche, every time you're looking at him, he is just, you know, he's just straining against his motorcycle. <laughs> maybe I'm projecting my feelings for Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's up to you. So, whew. now this is this is tricky. You would think. Oh, you know, Griffith, he's very restrained. He's very, you know, uh, you know, he's up and coming. He's he's uh, he's got ambition. So he can't think about love or, or about horniness. Right. But that's the thing. It's not just sexual horniness. It's emotional. It's comradeship horniness. It's swordsmanship horniness. Like it's demon slaying horniness. Like he's got There's a, a lot, lot of stand in for affection. homosexual, like closeted uh, mm-hmm. projection in, in all of, in all of these different genres that you've described. You can very easily be like, Oh, that's a way that, you know, uh, closeted mon- manga authors <laughs> might <laughs> choose to portray, you know, a, a yeah. particular thing. I re- I'm, I'm reminded of uh, something that uh, fast karate for the gentleman, a, a podcast that I used to listen to said about, um, said about uh, Gurren Lagann, which is in in the United States, uh, when they like the way a guy looks, they beat up a gay guy. In Japan, they draw a robot battle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, you're, so you're saying like it gets a little bonus because clearly the author had something to work through as well. Yes, <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, but like it's, it's pretty hard not to read into that. The, although it is definitely a more horny situation the character himself i think is too power hungry and too motivated by his social advancement to give in to those urges or to express them in a way that i find necessary for this category i think that makes sense because it's not purely this is all he's motivated all by sexual you know motivations it's it's everything that is bound up with guts in, mm-hmm. in this like twisted affection like it he there's like a power dynamic thing but being his commanding officer and that you know kind of kind of kind of intertwines with his ambitions to become king so it it's it's more like 
the homoeroticism in it is yeah, it's, it's, a complement to his overall personality. It's not the thrust of it. It's not a pure... <laughs> as such as it was. It's not a it pure romantic or sexual emotion. It's wrapped up with power. And that, that degrades it. Uh, I, I mean, I think it just makes it into something that we're not looking for here. But yes. Now, Final Fantasy VII was a very horny game. And Jessie <laughs> was responsible for a lot of that. But she wasn't the only one. Right. And plus, you have to compare these things to the mediums in which they are engaged. Final Fantasy VII is damn near photorealistic. Tiny Fuppets is not. Um, <laughs> the, the, you need to use some intellectual energy to, to get where I'm going with that one. But at the same time, when you see Ms. Woman go after Gumboing, it's only when he's there. There's no pining from a distance, there's no emotional investment there. It's just. It's hey, straight lust. We're at a party. You know, I want to have a good time. You want to have a good time. DTF, down to felt. And Cormit, Cormit does, you know, stake his claim, prove his worth as a man or whatever the cliche is that's degrading <laughs> and harmful. Um, I don't remember exactly what happens. <laughs> I think he gets stolen by an owl. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Um, so I think... You know, just because of the sheer volume of the veneer of it, Final Fantasy VII has to take it. It can be for Roche, it can be for Jesse, it could be for me. Somebody's horny in this show. I, I'll, I'll accept that. I actually thought you might be going gumboing for a second because I was the entire because all the entirety of that show is is so mundane and and divorced from that that the, the sheer disparity. Of how the how much the horniness spikes whenever gumbling is on screen is is hard to ignore. Well, I mean that's the thing yeah. is that you always see it through Cormit's eyes, and then that air of desperation sneaks in. But also, if I have to explain to somebody why I made a choice, I did. I don't want to say, oh yeah, you know, I thought Tiny Fuppets was really horny. No, I want to say <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake was really horny because somebody's going to agree with me. I mean, I'll, I'll put it. I mean, like I'll just Roche is just. Extremely <laughs> horny character. You you put I, as many asterisks as you need. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. Like it, you cannot it cannot be denied mm -hmm. that FF Seven remake is extremely horny in a very uh, obvious way. Mm -hmm. There's no getting around it. Sometimes you got to go with quantity over quality. That's right. Kunai with chain. Next up, we have another uh, requested category, which is good because we kind of threw these together at the last minute and didn't have a lot of ideas. <laughs> Yes, it was very, it took a lot of load off our backs. So I'm busy. I just submitted my dissertation today. This morning, yeah. Congratulations, by the way. So this category is the best D&D &D setting, the best world in which to play Dungeons and Dragons. Now, honorable mention to Final Fantasy VII. It's been well represented elsewhere in the Cartoni Awards, but uh, that one has a bit like, you know, you look at Barrett and you're like, what character class is he? It doesn't quite work. It's a little too removed. Uh, I think in, in the terminology that FF7 uses, it's black man. Yeah, so that was the other thing. That's his race and class. And, and I would out. like to point out, D&D &D is apparently making efforts to make their traditional tropes less racist, which is good. That'd be good. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, there's no more evil races. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty weird. Uh, speaking of troubling racial overtones... Uh, for best D&D setting, we have uh, The Jungle from Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. Ah, very nice. Now, this one doesn't suit itself as well to a party composition. And, you know, yeah, the setting can get a little dull and repetitive. But every single session, 
you have a completely new, like, lost civilization to explore. This is a series of one-offs. Yes. More than anything else. Because, like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm playing D&D now. Uh, I might be playing it in a podcast capacity soon, so I'm kind of thinking about the nature of D&D campaigns. FF7, that is a D&D campaign, but it's a bad one. There's <laughs> not good motivation going on, and there's retcons right in the story. Mm-hmm. Takes away player agency. Barrett came back from the dead. You know, like there's it. It uh, it's a bad D and D campaign. It was run by a poor DM. Mm-hmm. Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle is a good D and D campaign. It's empowering. It's it's adventurous. It's social. Uh, and you, it's social. Yeah, he's always interacting with someone. He's always trying to change someone's mind. He has to flex those uh, diplomacy skills. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, more toward the combat dungeon crawl, we have Berserk after the eclipse. So this is after the, the eclipse. The world is full of demons. You've got a crossbow arm. You got a big sword. It's you against the world, buddy. <laughs> so, so you're referring to after the eclipse when 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 he's got his sword and crossbow arm and everything. So th- and this there's is demons and fairies and like you're having a rough one. Gotcha. Gotcha. This is like okay. Greyhawk, like early D and D. Yes. Yes. Understood. Um, and then finally, sort of in the middle. Uh, the World of Myrrh from Pirates of Darkwater. Mm. So this is a uh, swashbuckling high seas adventure in alien territory where all sorts of weird gizmos and gadgets like a, like a lizard that shoots knockout gas from a Oh gun. my god, the lizard crossbow. <laughs> um, and if yeah. I'm not mistaken, it had its own D&D source books. It, somebody, you know, it's the internet. Some course. hero created. I mean, I'm sure it exists for Berserk as well, but... Yeah. That, that has so many races and so many class potential. Uh, we talked about it extensively with James when he was on about like the possibilities of this being a D&D campaign. And yeah, so this is, you know, the answer for this one is not necessarily the correct answer. These represent three very different kinds of D&D campaigns, and I would be glad to play in any one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, let me, let me, let's think about this. I think that uh, in terms of just D&D goodness, I think I pass, I, I pass on Berserk. Just because I, you know, I, I'm a little less into the, just the combat crunchiness of it all. And uh, it, it is a little unsatisfying how things are motivated if you just start at the post-eclipse arc, which I assume is what you would do in a D&D campaign. It's like, you got this guy, he's a bad dude for personal reasons. You have this love, you already love her. Like, it's, it, it sort of railroads you mm-hmm. a little bit. And if you're playing as Guts, there's not a lot of variety in terms of what you're going to be doing in combat, which is what's most of what you're going to be doing. Right, and that's true of Tarzan as well. <laughs> All right, but, I'm going to make the next 200 attack rolls with my sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, like, he is kind of a tactical fighter. He, he makes a lot of, he does a lot of options of, of, like, how to do things. And he does, you know, find confederates. But I think that it is just uh, it is too railroaded, and the plot is a little complex. Like it, the hallmark of a good D and D campaign is you have to have enough fantasy to keep them engaged, but you also have to keep it grounded so that they understand what's going on implicitly. You don't want to like throw them in a totally foreign world where like, well, obviously you can't fight ghosts unless you have this demon slayer sword that bathed in the blood of hundreds of ghosts because now that can attack it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you have to stop the birthing ritual so that the egg doesn't turn into the white phoenix so that Griffith can pop out and be resurrected in the real... Like, this is I'm glazing all, over already. <laughs> this is Yeah, this is all things that would need to be explained to you by a narrator. It is it is a little bit complicated for a D&D game. It's fine for a manga. 
manga, like it all, you know, it's kind of the difference between um, Watchmen the movie and Watchmen the graphic novel. You can do both, but you do have to make a lot of allowances for the change in format. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that that may not always work out well. So I don't think it's a, that good of a D&D campaign. The, the, the world of Murr is extensive. You know, I'm running a D&D game right now because, and the, the thrust of it was all, I want to do a nautical setting. I want people to play, I want people to, to crew a ship. I want people to fight aquatic monsters. I want them so, to find the treasures of rule. Treasures of rule, like nondescript artifacts that you're, <laughs> this is an art, of the, you, the, this is sort of your quest. It's somewhat tied to your backstory. Like that's very good. You have a nemesis who outclasses you, but you can escape if you're clever. You get regularly ca- captured. You go to a bunch of hurting townspeople who also tie into the main story and like lighten their load and they directly feed into the main quest. Man, you know, it's, I do love Tarzan Lord of the Jungle because it's a very good one shot, but that is, that is inherently limited, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I will always tire of a one shot driven campaign before a plot driven campaign with like over an overarching story. And that's what, the land of myrrh is so pirates of dark water mm-hmm. i'm salivating thinking about it i can't say i'm surprised especially because you started your D game that's basically pirates of dark yeah, water <laughs> i can't i can't claim that i didn't use that as inspiration to start my D game and i mean um, like, also i just love boat names like the race mm-hmm. and the maelstrom are so well defined sure kunai with chain so uh going off of that i think a good transition <laughs> would be to uh ask you for our next category which of these is the best boat? I can't believe you've done this to us. What do you mean? There's so <laughs> many boats. We got so many boats to, t- to talk about. How many boats do we have, Ben? I couldn't. Uh, well, okay. So one of them is not strictly a boat, but uh, I did want to shout out Sea Lab from 2021. Mm-hmm. It's not really a boat, and also it's not a good boat. I did want to rec- reference that I think that the Sea the Lab floor does look really cool, and it always kind of pans back to it with that nice water filter over it, so it, look, it looks underwater. Mm-hmm. It also explodes regularly, more evidence that it's not a good boat, but I did want to point it out. Okay, the three boats to discuss are the Maelstrom from Pirates of Darkwater. Mm-hmm. Not only does it, you know, check the boxes for all of the bad guy boat things, it's better than the protagonist boat. It has a jail inside of it as well as, like, a kraken of some sort, I think. How does or that the, fit? How the, does that The constrictus. Work? The constrictus, right? How do they... How do they like, how do they feed that, given that nobody goes down there? <laughs> it's cool is how they did it. That's what happened. So that's your first choice. Uh, the second boat, you know, if Firefly is to be believed, and I believe Firefly, uh, starships count as boats. So I submit for your consideration the Whizzing Arrow from Oban Star Racers. Ooh. It's, it's, not, the, it's not the cleanest. You know, the Earth has been uh, a little bit embarrassed by its... Uh, its failure to recognize the threat of not winning this intergalactic race. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they've come out of the woodwork with a star pilot who just happens to be the daughter of the famed entrepreneur that made it possible. Um, and they, you know, he's, she's, she's got, uh, Molly has a lot of intu- intuition for how to fly this thing. She regularly kind of outclasses other boats that are what, more well-equipped by being Trixie by uh, firing projectiles, trusting her gunner. They got a good team dynamic, very sure. Megazord. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the second boat. And finally, 
Uh, Sharon's Ship from Dante's Inferno, an animated epic. Oh, yeah. This is a boat that uh, Dante boards pretty early on. He offers up his soul as uh, collateral, and then he proceeds to kick a bunch of demon ass off of it, <laughs> and then also slays a boat. Yeah, he killed that boat because that boat was that guy that had that boat. Yes, he the boat. Yeah, Sharon had himself. Parentheses a boat. Uh, and that you know, it's I don't mean best in terms of durability, but how good was it to like offer us an introduction to Dante's character? to show his motivation, to show what he's willing to do in order to make his, his journey, and to show how bloodthirsty he can by having the boat itself sick demon dogs on him mid-ride. Mm-hmm. No other boat would do that. <laughs> Consider your, your average cruise, right? How many cruises do people sign up for and say, here's your itinerary, and then instead of shuffleboard at, at, at 3 p.m., you have a full-scale demon invasion on your boat. <laughs> That's a lot of boat charisma, Zane. <laughs> I don't doubt the charisma. Now, this isn't coolest boat. This is best boat. Best boat. <clears throat> and I'd like to give a shout out to the Magic School Boat. Uh, as oh, it that's a good is. one, too. Yeah. But, you know, you know that's you can, honorary. Honorary because it's not strictly a boat? It can be a boat. I mean, I wouldn't be offended if you tried to choose that one. Now, I I love the Whizzing Arrow. Um it's not technically a boat, but it is a damn good ship. Like, that gets them in and out of scrapes. It holds its own. But, you know, the wow factor... Like, first off, it can be controlled by a little girl. Or remotely, but they rarely did that. Secondly, yeah, it's got guns, but they never did shit. <laughs> I, I suppose not. There, thirdly, there, there were so many ships in that show, and this was easily the least cool. <laughs> Think so? There was the beetle, there was the giant spear-looking one, there were those two motorcycle chainsaws. Yeah, no no, no I, I think that this one had had some good energy because of the sort of Millennium Falcon angle of this was put together last minute, but uh, like a perfect machine can work from imperfect parts, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's scrappy. It's definitely, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's definitely one... If there's one, one thing I learned from Scooby-Doo is that everybody loves scrappy. It's won the hearts and minds of the citizens, but it is not the best boat. It's the people inside the boat that drove it to victory. Very well. Um, now, now this is now this is tricky. These are both big, beautiful, gross boats. <laughs> <laughs> They're so gross. <laughs> On the one hand, we got Sharon, and he is like part of it. In this corner of the river sticks, he lumbers. He's been damned for Eternia and will not, will not, uh, will not let anybody's souls go without a fight. It is Sharon piloting. (laughs) Sharon. (laughs) Yeah. So great boat, very big. Clearly has a very important job. You know, shepherding the souls down to the the afterworld. Um, but here's the thing. How good of a boat is it if one person is like, I'm going to destroy this boat? Like, you have so many people coming on that boat, and one of them is just like, yeah, fuck this boat, and they they kill you. To be fair, he also blew up Satan. Like, this is not just any person. Yeah, he blew up Satan. He blew up the big guy at the wheel. He killed a lot of demons. Mm -hmm. You know, extenuating circumstances, I know. But the, 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 the crew of the Wraith survived the Maelstrom. They didn't destroy they never beat him. It. How could they? <laughs> right, right. It's got its own trap doors it's that got, only one person ever got out of, and the way they got out of it was by sacrificing a leg. It's got a crew. 
right? Crew's an important part of the boat. Voiced it's, by Tim Curry, I believe. <laughs> it's got a better name. It's got a better captain. It does dope shit. Yeah, it has the constrictus. The constrictus, yeah. Like, oh, what if we put the Kraken in the boat? Like, <laughs> And made it its own proprietary monster. What if we put the Kraken in the boat is really the only piece of evidence you need for this one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a galaxy brain maneuver right there. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, we give this episode a lot of credit, but my God, there was so much unused potential in this show, and the Maelstrom is, is evidence. Like, you could have put the Wraith on here, and that'd be a contender. Not as good of one, but like... Man, no, good boats. I, yeah, good boats this year. Uh, but I, it seems like you've made your decision. Plus, you know, this is the this is the time of uh, this is our time in history where we have to be mad at all Karens, and that includes Karen. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, that you got me there. <laughs> this boat is gonna have to talk to the manager. Oh boy. So you 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 pick the maelstrom. Mm-hmm. So, Maelstrom from Pirates of Dark Water. Runner, runner, Dark Water. James, you you found a good show. A good show that needs to be more show. Needs to be more show, it seems. Or have a D&D game. Yeah, just give me some more treasures. Kunai with chain. All right. Well, we are going to kind of slow things down, take it easy for a minute with... Uh, this is a category about the teens that inhabits our that inhabit our shows. And I this this category was going to be most relatable teen, but as I was looking through the list, I really think <laughs> that we had some really unrelatable teens. So this is the least relatable teen category. Oh, okay, okay. Good, good. Uh first up from Lloyd in Space, Lloyd. <laughs> Yep. You live in the future. Your mom, for as best as we can tell, is in charge of the universe. <laughs> like she, She's very high up there. She's doing well for herself. You have buddies who will never turn their back on you even when you sh- even when they should. And you like there's so many straightforward lessons you should be learning. And you just have refused to grow as a person. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 a little bit rough. It's, it's not so far from the standard Nicktoon kind of fair for teenager, even though it's on Disney. But uh, I, I do agree. He's he's pretty hard to relate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have Courtney from the the life of Ginger. Ginger, as, as told, told by Ginger, by Ginger you <laughs> plebe. God, what a plebe I am! But Courtney's not um, because <laughs> Courtney ain't no plebe because she's there's so much wrong with this girl. So first off, she's she's very wealthy. Uh, so that already very unrelatable. Mm. And. She has oh, this... I forgot to include Courtney in list of horniest characters. Oh, man. Specifically like... for Ginger. <laughs> well, let's get her on now because she's very interested in Ginger, who, as far as you're concerned, is not a real person. Like, not a good <laughs> I don't think she matters very much. She's <laughs> um, a little boring. Not as bad as her friends, but, you know. No and one's as bad as her friends. She's just obsessed with, like, winning the approval of these random people who, like, are true to themselves. And she's just, like... God, the length she'll go to. <laughs> yeah. And her best friend is a vizier and she won't notice it. Just confusing. <laughs> it's it's not the most unrelatable thing to uh, envy the people around you, especially as a teenager. Mm-hmm. But the way it articulates is pretty ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. she she sort of tries to life incept Ginger at moments. And that, uh, you know, that's that's more villain or like uh that's a that's not a that's not a teenager thing to do. Like a teenager has better things to do than obsess to this degree. 
Um, and yeah, she also just... It, I'll go over it later. Continue. Finally, Ranma. From one, from Rain one man. one half. Um, I'm sorry. You have everybody and their dog throwing themselves at you. <laughs> really interested in just like horning it up. You're a teen. You already have shown to have poor impulse control. And you can turn into a woman and please yourself however you want. And you're just the most sexless, least interested person. I see. I see. So this is a very specific metric by which uh, you you judge him uh, unrelatable. It's not that he's not interested. Like, he has shown capacity for romance and even, like, sexual interest. It's just so often he doesn't. Mm. Um, And, like, he's only interested in fighting and, like... I, I guess this is pretty un, unfair of me because, yes, there are, you know, people who do not have sexual interest. But in the context of this show where everyone is super horny all the time, it just it strains credibility. And if I was in this world, I'd be taking full advantage. Sure, uh, that that makes sense. Uh, I think I've got a pretty clear idea of who I'm going to pick here. So let me let me go through all of this point by point. So Lloyd from Lloyd in Space I don't think that he's that unrelatable. I, I think that he's obnoxious, but that just makes him a relatable teen because we were all obnoxious teens who didn't didn't learn our lessons and you know got into too much trouble and were were shitty to the people we cared about. Like these are all very true to life kind of things. I don't like him very much. <laughs> like don't don't get me wrong. I think he's 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 someone I would never want to be around. But I think that like his priorities. Like, the notion of his mom dating again and him assuming that something must be bad about this guy and going to very extreme lengths to try to unmask that guy as bad for his mom because he's jealous, mm-hmm. that there's there's a lot there, man. Like, sure. I think that that's a pretty relatable guy. Uh, in terms of, so what were the other two? Ranma and who else? Courtney. So, Courtney... Okay, l- let me let me. I actually got to do it by process of elimination because I don't think Courtney is the least relatable protagonist or teen because, you know, there are unrelatable things about her. She's very rich, so she doesn't fit normal society. She has her own butler. She's, you know, obsessed with this normie. She doesn't understand like that frozen vegetables did not grow from frozen ground or that <laughs> or that there aren't saunas at like sleepaway camp like these are unrelatable just in that like it it belongs to a top of the 1% of society that the rest of us don't like that's definitional unrelatable like removed from reality you know the the standard critique of politicians is that they're they don't see us on the ground and mm-hmm. that totally encapsulates Courtney so i think she's a good contender for least relatable ranma I think that you're looking through his plight through a, a pretty, through kind of a, a myopic view. Oh, yeah. Yes, teenagers are regularly fixated on sex. However, he, and, and here's the big point. You say that he has the ability to turn into a girl. It's a curse. He doesn't control it. Yes, there are triggers for it, but he did not ask for this. And it goes in direct conflict with his own uh, you know, it, it goes in direct conflict for, for his own uh, identity. If you're at that age and your identity is called into question and you know the means to correct your identity, 
or, or to correct your circumstances such that they fit your identity. Are you that concerned with how you are treated by a lot of people who don't respect your identity? Like, hmm. probably not. Like, yeah, I, that's I think a really that, good point. I think that like his priorities are just different than the standard person who wouldn't be going through his trials. Like, yes, maybe not everybody goes through that kind of identity crisis, but it's still it's still pretty relatable. I hadn't thought about it that way. That's very insightful. So I, I think I give it to Courtney for for that reason. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do we want to scrap this and I can just do most relatable teen instead? Because I got a list for that too. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe we run out of time. I've got two extra lists as well, so. <laughs> We can, we can round back to it if you want. Yeah. Kunai with chain. Next up, for me, best horror atmosphere. I don't remember us doing much in the way of horror this year. Yeah, let me refresh your memory, Zane. Uh, so, related to the D&D thing, but what I'm looking for is just what inspires dread. Um, and what is, like, the most effective way of doing that within these three different things. First up, obvious contender, the powerhouse... The Eclipse from Berserk. Ooh. You have been trucking along with your band of mercenaries for 20-odd episodes, and suddenly they just throw you to the goddamn ground. It was a bit of a jar. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The sky opens up, the ground turns to phases, and your greatest friend becomes your most treacherous enemy. Demons are everywhere, and they are delightfully caricatured through, through the lens of Berserk as, like, these Boshian nightmares. Um, so that's a good one. Uh, this one's a little bit weird, but, uh, in Osmosis Jones, when the, you know, the, the DNA bead is taken out of his, you know, hypothalamus because biology, question mark, when that happens, we have a full on apocalypse global warming situation in the brain. I, the, the, the thing that that I am relating it to is William Shatner's character as the mayor Yes, it was William Shatner. No, I will not forget. He he looks out. He surveys the city that he has failed, and it is burning. You know, looking out at a city that is actively being destroyed. That notion that we have missed our chance. Things are hopeless. Yeah. That, that, it's that feeling. And everyone is panicking. No one knows what to do. Um, yeah, that, that speaks to me. <laughs> there's, a, there's a hopelessness there that maybe isn't as epic in scale, but is, like, pretty palatable. Uh, and then finally, from Dante's Inferno, the la- layer of hell known as greed. Hmm. So I, I picked this one on pure inventiveness. There are more horrifying things in various parts of it, but greed has this awesome sandscape, blasted landscape kind of thing with golden gear towers that like throw people to be melted in this molten gold, topped off all of it with a boss that is like this stitches from... This is it's stitches from Warcraft. I think it's from Warcraft. It's 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 Mark Hamill with an octopus reverse mouth, stitches sh- covering his gaping wounds, and a gigantic golden cross as a weapon. Maybe a little bit more steampunky, but still good horror elements in that design and in the atmosphere around him. Mm-hmm. And it's very ironic in a nice horror way too, because this is where souls that are greedy have gone. They are made into wealth. Yeah. See, I found at least that layer of hell really cool. <laughs> like, Oh, it for, is cool. For me, it was like this epic scale. Here's a clear villain. I just have to overcome him. Like, 
that to me didn't speak to the horror as much as the other two did. So I'm not I'm not quite as into that one. Maybe a different part of Dante's Inferno, like the. Um, Why don't you recommend one? Because that was the one that spoke to me. But like, they're all good. Oh, what was the one? God, now I gotta think through the circles of hell. Oh, what about the Forest of Suicides? Yeah, that that's upsetting. You know, that's that's upsetting from an ontological point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 limbo with the dead baby spiders, I feel. <laughs> Or hell, even just like them stitching his sins into his torso. Yeah, yeah, that that that's that's more of the like Cronenberg horror that I'm that I'm into. Okay, yeah, pick pick whichever you want. It's I think there's enough there to make it a contender. Is my point. It's interesting. So like, um, in each of these, you know, horror can kind of be inversely proportional to hope in a lot of media. I found. Mm. So this feeling of despair and hopelessness is very palpable in Dante's. It's like the world is against me or like forces beyond my understanding in the sort of Cthulian way. He's got one quote unquote ally, Mm -hmm. but all the ally does is ferry him to from place to place where everybody on the other side is like, dog, there's like no coming back from this. Yeah, this is this is it for you in Berserk. It's like. It's not the world that's against you. It's like these specific, very dangerous things that are causing me issues. Right. Like, oh, this demon wants to eat me and my blood. Like, I can wrap my head around that and I can like, oh, hope is gone. I'm just going to off myself and spare myself some of the trouble. (laughs) I think uh, like it appealed to me horror wise in a Bloodborne kind of way where like normal world, but like, you know, there's there's like a... uh, there's like a conjunction of the spheres um, mm-hmm. where like all the planets align and suddenly hell opens up. But that 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 really feels like a cool a cool thing to me. A, a cool horror thing is just like a portal to hell opening when the conditions are met. Kind of Lovecrafty sort yeah. of thing. In in that one it's like, "Oh, there was no way I could have prepared for this." <laughs> yeah, 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 true. But I don't think I like it as much because an aspect of horror is like I sealed my own fate. Like, my actions led to this. So mm. it, for the other two hold that a bit stronger. The problem with Dante's Inferno is it it was made, it was adapted from a video game, and it looked badass. So I think I actually have to go with Osmosis Jones, because it's like, these people were trying to tell me, I can only blame myself, no one can help me, and like, it doesn't matter that I did wrong. I will never be held to account. I am just forced to suffer as everyone else is. Like, that's really deep. Yeah, that's that's very good. Best horror movie, Osmosis Jones. I mean, um, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think you're. I think like viewed through one perspective of what horror is. I think that that's that is the bleakest. I think. I think that Berserk is also bleak, but uh, as you said, there's no agency that you can point to. That's just like, I guess. Well, good. You could, I, I would grade it on, you could grade horror on different axes and I could see, I could see points for either one. But if you are judging it on like, it's hopeless versus it's hopeless and I'm at fault. So the, like Berserk was fate all the way through. There was no chance for you to get out. The two kinds of horror I like are the ones where it either reflects on the real world in a way that is like clear, like the movie Get Out, for example. Yeah. This used horror to show the horror of everyday life for a lot of black people. Mm-hmm. 
The other kind is like this sort of otherworldly, you know, uh, uh, Lovecraft mythos thing where like it's beyond our comprehension. And the problem with Berserk is it's it's not beyond our comprehension. There's these very powerful things and they're dicks. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I won't fight you on it. <laughs> I, I think an argument could be made for any of them. For me, especially given the pandemic, the like leadership finally realizing when it's too late just how bad things are is and like the idea that like people pay attention there will be a test soon (laughs) like we got to do all this shit for climate change too yeah there's gonna be there's gonna be actually quite a few tests and you're not allowed to fail attention (laughs) i'm so mad all the time right uh okay so anyway frank's fever from osmosis jones best horror best horror atmosphere Mm -hmm. cool i like that joy i like that choice that was a fun one we're well we're running down the uh toward the end here Mm -hmm. so i have for you ben a classic uh category best intro okay so um i am going to well first i want to give a uh, runner-up to tarzan i thought it was very clever uh what did we do for tarzan this is the one where you were like just a guy stuck in an exhibit and we were talking about like oh early <laughs> early man was very similar to modern english man and you know he learned from his parents why is he wearing aftershave yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think that was very uh very clever and funny thank you thank you so best intro uh static shock this is when we were white collar criminals who were exposed oh my to God, that's uh, right. our pathogen in our mint juleps, which gave us superpowers. <laughs> um, not necessarily cl- more clever or more insightful, just like those accents were very good. Oh yeah, I got to do I got to do my uh, my my southern gentleman accent, which I've then turned into a character in my D and D game as the commodore of a <laughs> merchant ship. He oh, is a dwarf with an enormous mustache. That is really good. Yeah, no, I, I love I love the intros where we can really lean in and not worry too much about the exact words we're using. Yep, yep. Just channel Gabriel Knight as best you can. Um, next contender is um, Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this one got actually a recommendation from Alex as one of the best intro categories. <laughs> I, I think that's fair. For good reason. I mean... The, there was only one joke. <laughs> no, I made it made it a lot of times though. <laughs> yeah, so that makes it a better joke. The the like again leaning into Joey and that character and just how like stereotypically Brooklyn he is, and like you you know you could hear me laughing along like the choices you made <laughs> about the specific like I summon my trap card guy looking at you from a bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my name is Joey Capicola. <laughs> Yeah, that's just. Yeah, really you, you were like not you, prepared. You were not prepared for how much I prepared for that one. I love when you can clearly see how we got there and how quickly we decided to just go off the rails anyway. Yes, yes. And finally, uh, for this one, we had a bit of help. Tiny Fuppets. Um, this oh, one, yeah. we kind of dipped into our cartoony sort of catalog of giving things weird names. And, yeah, uh, this this was almost a cartoony intro in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, we had Gary, uh, our uh, our colleague, our our wonderful friend who knows us and reveres us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> and uh, and we just played around with uh, making up weird knockoff brand uh, cartoon names and like 
you know, it, it was nice to see how quickly we all got into each other's styles. Um, and also, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was just like really fun, clever names. I, I don't disagree. I am going to discount it because I did not bring much to the mix, and I feel a little <laughs> bad about that. All right, your, well, we can do Tarzan then. <laughs> your greasy European was quite good, but <laughs> it, it, uh, you For know. the listener, there is a moment in that intro where I say, oh, like Bay movie, and you guys thought I was talking about Michael Bay movies. I was talking about B movie. <laughs> no, I, I knew you were talking about B movie. <laughs> Thing, do, uh, do I ever miss it when you're talking when you're even conceivably talking about B movie? I want to talk about B movie for a while. Let's talk about B movie. If it pleases the court. <laughs> <laughs> now no, I'm just a country lawyer. Now right here. <laughs> was that so. John, that was John Goodman in that uh-huh. courtroom scene, right? Oh, the that. toilet, the 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 club sandwich of three courtroom scenes. And with... it's not this year's episode. I'm we sorry. I'm sorry. It. Okay, I'll go. I'll I'll retreat. Go on. All right, so in that case, um, Yu-Gi-Oh, Static Shock, and Tarzan. Well, then. Um, All right, so Tarzan. Tarzan I like. Tarzan I like a lot, actually. Like, now now that you reminded me of it, um, it's, it's really fun, you know, when... When I have to play two characters and they're very separate accents and I, like, kind of muffle my voice, like, I, I felt like my audio like did a lot of the storytelling for me and that was really fun. And you as like you as your like very clearly condescending teacher voice <laughs> is 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 pretty good. Well, I had good practice. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Um I don't know if it I don't know if it quite cracks the level of like humor inducing. Like it was it was a pretty clear joke and it was well made, but it wasn't like you know gut-bustingly funny. It was just kind of like a oh, well that's nice. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, uh, so like, well, well done by us, but I, I think that it was limited in the potential for humor. So I'm going to pass that by for now. Static Shock was very good because <laughs> we because we had like those accents. Southern Gentleman is just an accent that can do no wrong. It gave I don't know how long Foghorn Leghorn lasted, but he lasted from Looney Tunes right up until he was converted into Futurama. So like, let's like that's a good accent. It gives you a lot. Gives you a quite a ways and the notion of like white collar crimes and mint juleps and we looped in the cosmology of you know static shock being a little more than a little ridiculous mm-hmm. um where like just the one guy who happens to be decent gets the best power of all so that was that was pretty funny um yeah that god that was really good but then also Yu Gi Oh, like yeah, Alex uh, suggested that this might be able to dethrone the all-time best <laughs> intro contender of of uh, of, of Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if that's true. It's definitely up there. I think we might also have to put Gun Dan in the mix for best. Yeah, intro this is this is sort of in your Gun Dan catalog. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, like but, if like, you ever went into voice work, it would just be a couple of these intros, <laughs> like yeah. for your audition tapes. Because also, all right, so like, give it a little backstory. That Yu-Gi-Oh accent, that's a long time coming, my friend. Like, uh, I've loved the character of Joey Wheeler for years now. Mm-hmm. He's always been so funny to me. And there's also like this that nugget of truth where in dubbing something, you have to convert the understood kind of uh, 
cultural. The understood conventions of how respectful you need to be from in Japan into different dialects in America, and it's always just Jersey or South. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that is really good. I don't know which one to like pick of the two of them though. Like. I might give Yu-Gi-Oh the bump just because you were so clearly laughing in it. <laughs> like, I, I overpowered you. No, I, I mean, I think I held my own. I liked my peg. Pegasus is also a really good voice to do. Yeah, that, 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 that is true. And, like, you scrambling to give me to yes and what I was doing so that I could showcase more of it was pretty good. No one, no one gives me a harder job of but makes it more rewarding for me to yes and than you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. I, I would love to hear the static, static Shock intro right now, but it's gotta be Yu-Gi-Oh again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just like, I don't know what it is. There's some days that we just bring our best and that really comes through in the in, in who wins the Cartoni Awards and just... Yu-Gi-Oh was sublime. Yeah, I've I've been listening to some of the uh, some of the episodes, and we've done a lot of really good stuff this year. It's just, you know, if you have a really solid show overall, it can get overshadowed by like, oh man, did you see what this show did? Have you heard of Dino Trucks? <laughs> <laughs> if if you say so, consider um, a Dino what a truck is. <laughs> consider a Dino what a truck is. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Ben. What about uh, what, are the, what about you? What's next? God, I was so mad at Dino Trucks. What you did to me there. Uh, <laughs> so next, Kunai with chain. I'm going to give you a choice for two different categories. Oh, well, we ben. have who would win in a fight or who would win in a race. Oh, Ben. Well, I think you'll find that fighting is just a kind of racing viewed <laughs> <laughs> through a certain metric. I'll do who would win in a fight just so that we keep the tradition alive. But we had a lot of racing possibilities in this one, including Balto. Oh, yeah, that's right. So oh, I'm who would really win in a tempted fight? on that. But yeah, let's let's do fight for the classic. And if we I'd need more material, we can do into that. Yeah. But who would win in a fight? Parentheses, not big sword boys. Yes. <laughs> they, they have they have run their course. Very important. Okay, so three different fighters here. We've got Ed from Ed and Eddie. <laughs> okay, not quite where I was expecting you to go. Are well, the other two's Eds? Let's just kid No, they are not. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no. Um, the uh, oh man, and the the intro from Ed and Eddie was so good too. Gosh. Oh, that that was long winded, but it was With the very poker clever. professor. I mean, that was pretty good though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, yes, uh, Ed from Ed and Eddie. He is in a reality bending show, the most reality bending among them. His physical limits are without limit. <laughs> like they, his 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 physique is impossible, and he proves it on a regular basis. Yes, he's got his fears. Yes, he's got his quirks. But just in terms of raw power, he cannot be beat. By mm-hmm. anything. He is so he's so damn strong. And like there's like he can basically morph into whatever appliance is necessary for a situation. Okay. Next up, Tarzan from Tarzan Lord of the Jungle. Ooh. Now, he is a little bit limited in that he can't physically throw a punch because it's the 70s. However, he is able to suplex like a motherfucker. <laughs> He's able and, to suplex a motherfucker like a motherfucker. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's positively Jacksonian. Um, but, you know, he, he he has so many acrobatics. He's able to wrestle. He's able to do, like, that awesome pike motion where a jaguar comes at him and he does, like, the kick that, like, bounces him off into a river or something. 
it, he's just he's very well built. Mm-hmm. And finally, for the for the odd man out, we've got Rango from Ooh. Rango. Now, this guy is not that capable on his face, but you must consider the luck factor and the bullshitting mm-hmm. that he does. He is never bested in that movie, not even once. That's true. You know, he he gets disheartened. He you know he has to go for a while to go meet. Uh, meet Clint Eastwood, you know, in between breaks from interviews with Barack Obama. Confusing. He has to go meet him in the desert um, and, and you know, find his his soul again. But he 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 bests, you know, this, this bird that has been terrorizing the town through sheer luck and ballsiness. It, he's confronted in a situation where something that has already run him down in the desert comes back. But because people are watching, he's like, fuck that. Kiss my, you know, grits. Ki- kiss my grits. <laughs> he drops trow, bends over, and he tells him to kiss his grits. No, he's he basically just, you know, he he faces down enemies that are way stronger than him. He has no skill with a pistol. Mm-hmm. He has no no skill in martial arts. He has no skill at running away. Even he's just he's all bravado and somehow always comes out on top. Okay, so we have brawn versus skill versus cojones. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, let's 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 ponder very straightforwardly. Ed versus Tarzan. Now, now Ed's a good-natured soft boy. Um, I honestly would expect Tarzan to take him under his wing, but you know he starts you know harassing the gorillas. We're gonna have an issue. So I I don't think Ed stands much of a chance. His strength is greater, but Tarzan takes on the big boys all the time. It's a matter of judo that he knows for some reason. <laughs> yes, that is that is true. <laughs> Just give him and, a flip. And Ed doesn't have, you know, Eddie telling him how to how to best approach a situation. So he might not do that well on mm-hmm. his own. Um then we've got Ed versus Rango. Now I'm imagining this, Ed's like, it's a chicken. And you know, he goes to hug it and might squeeze Rango to death, but Rango, like, you squeeze Rango, what happens? He, he slipped, pops right out. He pops right out. He hits the ceiling fan. He slides around. It hits the wall. He slumps down. It hits, you know, a floorboard that rams up and hits Ed into the ceiling. Now, is Ed defeated? No. He's taken way worse damage than this. Did Rango ever actually shoot somebody? I don't think so. <laughs> I think he shot like a, like, he, he, he shot like a bottle and it collapsed on someone. He used a bullet as a threat. He... He used a bullet to get out of a glass cage, but yeah. that's it's not a show wherein 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 shooting happens. Yeah, but and he's fighting things that have way less like uh fortitude than Ed Boy. And honestly, if the first two things don't work, Rango's gonna run away. Rango can't stand up to a firm talking to. Um mm. <laughs> so I think I, that is true. I would give that one to Ed Boy, mashed potato Ed Boy. That's true. Good Tarzan point. versus Rango is weird to imagine. Um Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm, okay. They meet. Rango is like, there ain't big, this jungle ain't big, big enough, enough for the, for the two room. of us. And Tarzan says, in that great way. my animal friend, of course it is. You are welcome to all of nature's bounty. Here, let me swim in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's his only verb. <laughs> and that it's just very hard for me to imagine them fighting. I do imagine Rango taking it. As soon as Rango takes it seriously, Tarzan wins. Mm. If Rango doesn't take it seriously, 
I don't see a good way for him to win. I mean, I can see him interacting with Tarzan's animal friends, but at worst, he can, what, launch a tiger at him somehow? I, I think Tarzan might be the true king of the jungle. He is a king of the jungle, but you are also putting Tarzan in the jungle for this experiment. Oh, so you say put Tarzan in the wild, wild west, and he has to, like, you know, set up a smithy or perhaps a sociable book group. If you take away his vertical mobility, then I, I think Tarzan suffers a lot. Yeah, he can't swim in the desert. So now the question is, where who would set the battle up? Hmm. Who would set the battle up? Um, Can you ever see Rango going, you know, into the jungle willingly? No. Can you I, ever see Tarzan <laughs> leaving the jungle willingly? Not really. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that one's a draw. We got we got a draw here? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think so. I mean, that would default to Tarzan winning anyway. I'm trying to imagine a place where they could both meet and fight. And it would have to be, oh, oh, at the museum. They both get okay. taken away to the British Museum as specimens. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so they're in, like, separate locked glass cages. Rango can yeah. get out. Tarzan will probably just, like, chat with people. Like, he'll, he'll be fine. Um... He won't fight. So, but Rango, like, we got a real night at the museum situation. Rango's going to cause all sorts of mischief until, like, a chandelier falls on him. Who takes out Ben Stiller is the question. Ben Stiller's the wild card. And I think, you know, I, I've never. Is there a movie where um, Johnny Depp and Ben Stiller are both in it? I hope not. Like, it sounds dangerous. Yeah, that's a that's a bad admixture. You know, I, I... That's a baking soda volcano. I, I think, on the whole, no matter which way we slice it, Tarzan's going to walk away with this. Uh, okay. It's just a matter of, you know, the exact specifications. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. You know, I think that Rango has, like, a pretty good odds in, in terms of just sheer luck for anything that is of this world, but Tarzan is a cut above. Tarzan's got tenacity. You know, you, you have a hundred adventures in the jungle and you don't die in a single one. Luck's not enough to take you down. That's a good point. Yeah, he's he can he can shrug off anything. He's got the experience. He's got the chops, and he's got that beautiful like diving motion when he mm -hmm. when he's moving through trees. And then he swims in front of you. Like I don't know, the battle's over before it's even begun. You know, mm -hmm. the intimidation he's got under your skin. And if then we... he'll lean against a tree with one foot crossed <laughs> in front of the other. Come hither. <laughs> yeah, he wins the moral battle. Um, yeah, all right. If we wanted to do who would win in a race and combine it with most relatable teen, I think that's the same overlap. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm not interested. It's Molly in XJ9 and Virgil, right? That, that's I'm not interested <laughs> in doing that. Who who did you have for the race? Molly Balto and uh, I had Molly Balto and the Wraith from Pirates of Dark Water, but it mm. probably should be Virgil with the. Uh... With the static with the disc, I think XJ9 gets a gets a contender there as well. I suppose. Oh, well. there's a lot of uh, you. Any number of people could do a race. We'll make that our honorary category that we don't do. Sure, why not? <laughs> we have those. Kunai with chain. Are we? Uh, are we right up to the uh, right up to the final? We are. This one's really flown by. I've had a lot of fun today. Yeah, this was great. I, my voice is getting a little hoarse. So I'll, I'll be glad to be done. But let's finish it out with best episode. Best episode. Um, I can start this off. Go for it. After all the sugar we've talked, I don't think that this is going to surprise anyone. Uh, first pick is the Pirates of Dark Water. Pirates of Dark Water was very, very good. We it was an excellent episode. We had a guest who like 
prepared questions and talking points. <laughs> oh, way more than we ever prepared. He there yeah, there, he uh he was he was more nervous for it than he should have been, but I am very happy that he came on the episode and he like he had like just an unabashed love for the source material that really carries an episode. You know, the best mm-hmm. thing that you can do when you're talking about cartoons is to just love what you're talking about just mm-hmm. be em- emotional about it and he's got a lot of emotion bound up in it so that was great Thank and it was you a good again, episode. james for coming on yeah and it was a great episode overall we talked about the D opportunities we talked about i only pronounce it treasure now i know um, that's 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 a consistent <laughs> thing with you we got to put that up on the web page <laughs> and yeah just overall it really you know it's always a risk when you look at a show that you've never seen before and we were able to get so much out of it mm-hmm all right, what's your yeah. first pick? So, my, my first pick, uh, I don't think it'll surprise anyone. This episode was so much fun. It's already won a, won a couple categories. Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> like, I I have unironic love for the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh! Not as a show. <laughs> <it's> a, <laughs> we no, want to be very show. clear here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I don't actually like what It's not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable content. But it has enough to it that is really fun to think about. Like... You know, the, the relationship between uh, Kaiba and and Yugi is is a very nice rivalry. Bandit Keith's design is amazing. Maximilian Pegasus, like, just think about that name for a second. Mm-hmm. Like, the dub is amazing. All the dubbing qualities about it are great. And we um, had a good intro. We had a great analysis of the characters from, like, an aesthetic standpoint that we don't usually get to do. Mm-hmm. We got to talk yeah, about it in the context of a larger whole. But it, it's also, impossible to ignore. We're still talking out of our asses. Like, it's... it's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a fun time. Oh, yeah. I loved it the most. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a bit of a dark horse here, but I will make my argument for it. Uh, Oban Star Racers. Ooh. So this was a rare episode where we were able to record uh, in person. Um, and I think it really flowered because of it. We... I don't think we've ever had a show where you and I disagreed on so many aspects of it, but still both enjoyed it in different ways. You know, usually it's like, oh, I loved it, oh, I hated it, or oh, we both feel the same way. This one was really interesting. And, uh, you know, we we had a lot to say about the cosmology, about the characters, not necessarily that they themselves were interesting, but our takes on them, um, I think think we were able to squeeze a lot out of that. And the banter was just fantastic. Yeah, you know, I I really liked the notion of uh, I really liked the notion of like parents and children in shows interacting in a new and interesting way that like remarks upon their relationship but isn't a given. Mm-hmm. So like when, whenever there's like oh you're you know yes you're my kid but more importantly you're the pilot and she's like yes you're my father but more importantly you're my jerk ass boss <laughs> and, and for there to be both like familiar there's not familiar respect it's camaraderie for like a common goal. God, uh, yeah, that that show had a lot of fun to it. Mm-hmm. And I also liked the uh, bringing back Zane's um, lore corner with the elevator music. Oh, did we do that? I, mm-hmm. I didn't remember. Oh, yeah. That's always a pleasure. <laughs> a yeah, pleasure. Yeah. Sorry. A <laughs> uh, pleasure. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Uh, last up, uh, for the best episode, I submit to you, Tiny Fuppets. <laughs> now, l- listen. Uh, our love of puppetry is well known. Puppets is, uh, puppetry is, is a little bit different. Obviously, I was over the moon uh, having <laughs> one of our, you know, podcast 
one of my podcast heroes, Gary Butterfield, on the show. Um, and, and he, you know, again, he just had like a lot of love for it. He had a tattoo of Cormit, which is amazing. <laughs> and it just like, you know, we haven't done a lot of web shows, but uh, that one is really fun because, I mean, we love parody humor. Uh, we talked a lot about like the ways that uh, each of the characters kind of embody a standard trope, but put like a little bit parodic, ironic twist on it. Like the idea of Miss Woman being a character, kind of aping the formula of like, 80s shows just having a woman character just to have one uh-huh. and not really giving her personality. Like the, the idea that they would call that out is very funny to me. Um, the, the, the absurd lore that exists on the website for Tiny Puppets, that, that sort of weird lore where you don't know how much of it is a joke. Like it's just a very special thing created by a unique <laughs> mind and I, I loved being able to talk about it. Yeah, and it was really nice like the flow that we got into with Gary. You know, there were there were rough points but Overall, I think, uh, you know, like we even had the sort of like philosophical digression that we sometimes get into where he was like, I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, I, I, I had a lot of I had a really good time with that one. That has a lot of good memories. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, Ben, between Pirates of Dark Water and Oban Star Racers, which do you think uh, was a better episode for us? You know, just having a guest on makes so much of a difference. I did like Oban Star Racers, but honestly, like, I'm a sucker for for a and d game, you know? And, <laughs> like, we had so much to say about what it would be like to be in, in Murr and talking about D&D and discussing how cool the Constrictus is and all, like, the weird, unnecessary world building that just makes it so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we had that level of excitement for this new area as we did in Oban Star Racers, even though it was, you know, French animation, which was cool. I, I do have a tendency to like older animation, and you know, Pirates of Dark Water was just, I, I think I got to give it to that one, Pirates mm-hmm. of Dark Water. I, I think that's totally fair. Um, I do think Oban Star Racers is, like, a really interesting and unique thing that, like, I don't think you would have thought about it as much or enjoyed it as much if we had not talked about it. Almost certainly. But yeah, I, I agree. I think Pirates of Dark Water uh, is, is better, our, our episode okay. of it. Fair enough. How about Tiny Fuppets versus Yu-Gi-Oh? <sighs> you know, I gotta say, like... Red Eyes Black Dragon. <laughs> Kunai with Chain. Kunai with Chain. Kunai with Chain. Oh, that's our that's our bumper. That's the thing that it's gonna oh, be Kunai with Chain. You beautiful man. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I did love the Yu Gi Oh episode, but I think there are however many YouTube videos or podcast episodes of analyses of Yu Gi Oh of the things that make it weird and wacky and fun and and special. Tiny Fuppets hasn't gotten that attention. Mm. And I think because we felt the need to just express every possible facet of it, we were able to hit on some really interesting stuff. Um, and, like, on the whole, like like you say, having a guest always helps. Mm-hmm. Um, having that guest in particular was really cool. But I think analyzing Tiny Fuppets as just a unique art form was, that was an effort. You know, that was an achievement for us. <laughs> It was an achievement in many ways, yeah. I think I have to give it to Tiny Fuppets. Amazing. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I if I sure listened to Yu-Gi-Oh! more than, you know, haven't had a lot of time I thought for yet. sure it would go to Yu-Gi-Oh! But, <laughs> but fair enough. You know, Tiny Fuppets was also an excellent episode. Mm-hmm. So of the two, Zane, do you have strong feelings one way or another? You know, I do think that 
we did get in there, there, there were enough like friction points in the tiny fuppets as we tried to navigate our fandom uh mm-hmm. and like the difficulty of trying on a new media made it a little bit less flowing and less cohesive i think pirates of dark water was really strong start to finish i agree and uh you know i i think that you know it didn't have the one of the best intros that we've done but it was a very respectable intro that i think was a lot of fun it was high concept um, it was high concept you know um but it, it it worked and yeah james just was so so game to <laughs> to to go down all the ridiculous rabbit holes we he was so prepared it was so uh so fun to, yeah i i agree front to back just so much to talk about i will never get old i will never get old with 80 shows like they always just speak to me mm-hmm. a very fundamental level even if they're kind of kind of kind of gro- kind of kind of rough around the edges mm-hmm. but uh pirates of dark water was a diamond in the rough and us talking about it was a diamonder in the rougher that's a phrase that's a phrase that i did gavel <laughs> so winner of the year pirates of dark water Pirate the Dank Wager. Thank you very much to James for coming on that episode. Um, But honestly... Thanks to all our guests. Yeah, thanks to all our guests for coming on. You know, we had Damn Graves coming on for the... um, for the Dante's Inferno episode. We had Garrett Butterfield. And for the fifth annual, along with Nick Robes. Yep, we had had the fifth annual. We we tried to have Jeremiah on for Ed and Eddie. We tried. We tried so hard, guys. You cannot and probably believe. tried harder. Like we could have done a category of like weirdest guest experience. <laughs> that 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 would have been a little bit. Uh, that might might have been some unwanted attention. I think maybe that would have been <laughs> been a little bit much. But uh, but yeah, it it's been a it's been a really fun year. I really enjoyed it. It's been especially gratifying to have this outlet, especially in these trying times. Um, and we're so grateful yeah. for anybody who happens to be listening to us yeah. for this right now. Um, you know, I, if I, I happen to know that a lot of my, um, a lot of my, you know, headspace it, that is usually taken up with really difficult stuff definitely gets a lot lighter because of the podcast that I imbibe. And if this applies any relief to anybody out there, I, I sincerely am I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. that uh, this can be a balm in these times. And and don't hesitate to let us know. You know, we really like hearing from you. Um, it happens on occasion. Uh, we'd love for it to happen more. Uh, and if you have any suggestions for shows to follow up on, things that you're emphatic about that you want to do a rewatch of, we're always game. Yeah. Uh, Zane, thank you again for, for coming on the show, for doing this with me. <laughs> My brother mine. I yeah. expect you are probably trying to say something, and it- I'm not letting you do it. <laughs> I don't know if you'll be able to say something soon. It could be a while. It seems like I'm kind of down a hole. It's, you know, the, these past And I don't know when months, I'm going to get out of this this hole. So, you know, that I'm sorry, go ahead. It's, it's you know, it's been hard. I haven't been able to focus as much and watch as many episodes of the things that I wanted to or prepare as well. Um, but it is really good when we get to talk and to hear it come out and just to have it, you know? It's, it's yeah. very nice to have this thing. It's, and, it's dependable. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Zane, like for joining me. Very resilient. Uh, but, but yes, historically resilient. And on this, our half dozenth year. And they, they also last a long time, so great metaphor choice. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't smell bad. Anyway, we're, we're looking forward to this next year. Hopefully it will continue to be something that people can look to other than ourselves for some source of comfort. But uh, we will enjoy it, and we hope you do too. So mm-hmm. for next time, Zane, what are we doing? Oh, geez, I forgot. Yeah, next time we're watching uh, the old uh, Beavis and Butthead doing America. 
we're going to do in America, as it turns out. And then I think I have the choice after that, but I totally spaced and forgot. <laughs> Let's just leave it up in the air, man. Yeah, we've like, got a couple of things that were like, can we get this on the schedule to work properly? Or do we want to take a break from episodes to do something wacky? So we'll see. Even some butthead do America is the next one. That's going to take my full attention. So that'll you know. take my, yes, that, that's like a, the Jim Carrey of cartoons. Um, so anyway, audience, if you have anything to say about Beavis and Butthead Do America, please go ahead and go to the Cartoncast, cartoncast.com or fancybat.com. You can go to our contact page there and drop us a line and suggest shows or tell us what you think about Beavis and Butthead Do America. Um, you can also go to our Facebook page. You can go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or review. And more than anything else, keep listening. Tell your friends about the show. And uh... Balto. And also Balto. <laughs> he was a good dog. He a good dog. He didn't get a fair shake. Feeling pretty bad about that. <laughs> Still. Seems seems like we might as well need to end the episode unceremoniously. It's a proud tradition. Kunai with chain. Kunai with chain. Kunai with chain. Kunai with chain.